Amen. Thank you, Ellen, and um, thank you for your prayers. It's great to be uh, carrying on a little short series we're doing at the start of this year uh, called Essentials. And today we're thinking about mission and what it means to be missional as a church. I wonder if uh, any of you watched Survivor uh, in recent months, a program where uh, 18 different people were dropped off on some deserted beaches and had to survive for quite a few weeks. They would then compete against each other to see who the ultimate survivor would be. If anyone watched it, you might be a bit like me and think, I quite fancy that. But anyway, there's not an opportunity during my sabbatical for it, apparently. Um, but as they were dropped off, uh, the first, they were put into two teams, then they had a contest. And whoever won the first contest got a number of different items, including the items to make a fire. And the team that won started the first few days really well. They had a fire, they began to cook. The team that didn't really struggled to make their own fire. And it was hard for them to begin with. Now, fire on a deserted island is essential for survival. And it is essential in this three-week series, that's what we're thinking about, it is essential for a church to not only exist but to flourish, to be missional. It's part of what it means to be church, to be on a mission. As fire is essential for survival on a remote beach, So mission is essential to both be the church and for a church to flourish. Now, let me just say, by uh, the word mission or being missional, I'm talking about holistic mission, the activity of God in our broken world that we get to join in with. The truth is God is already on a mission. God is at work, and he invites us to be involved with what he's doing. Now, when we often think of mission, you might primarily think about people sharing the gospel of Jesus with their words, something we might call evangelism. Now, that is a key part of mission. It's central to mission, but it also includes other things. Mission includes our actions as well as our words. It, concern, it includes a concern for the poor, healing, prayer, issues of justice, and environmental care, to name just a few areas. I love a baptism Sunday. It's a great encouragement for us as a church on our own mission to help point people towards Jesus. And it's also a great encouragement, I hope, to be thinking about mission for you, Lara, and Hope today. At the beginning of your journey, when you come to follow Jesus, you join the mission team. That is part of what it means to be church together. And so this morning, from our reading, I want to highlight three things uh, about mission for us. So if you've got your Bibles open, we are going to be looking at uh, the passage that Cindy read for us from Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. And the first thing I want to point out as we think about our mission together is that the message of the gospel is for all. This good news that we've read about and celebrated, this message is for all. And you can notice as Paul begins uh, in the, where we picked up the passage, he uses really personal language. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Paul is using personal language here. It's great to hear a bit of Lara and Hope's stories, and they have come for themselves to believe in Jesus as Lord. Lord in that he is the the king, 
He is powerful. There is no one like him, but Lord also in the sense that they want him to be the master, the leader in their life. As Hope put it in her testimony, I want him to be Lord over my life. They've believed in their hearts that not only Jesus died for them so that they could be forgiven and have life, but that he was raised from the dead. They personally have put their faith and trust in Jesus for themselves. And as a result, there's a promise here that they are saved. Saved in some very real situations where they needed help in their lives, but saved from being lost, saved from life without God, saved from God's judgment, and saved in to God's loving family. This is something they've believed in their hearts, and as a result, they have been justified. Paul has been uh, writing about how we can't be right with God by following the law, by keeping all the rules, but by faith in Jesus. Now, that word justified, uh, we don't use it that often in everyday language. Uh, some people that help me to understand some things about faith are a band uh, called Awesome Cutlery, and they've written a song uh, mainly aimed at children, but as you know, I really enjoy all-age songs. But it's a brilliant way of unpacking what it means to be justified. Here's some of their lyrics from this song. Do search it yourself if you'd like to. When I looked in the mirror, do you know what I saw? I saw someone who'd broken the law. God's perfection is too high for me, but he made a way for me to be free. Jesus died on the cross. Do you know what he paid? The price I owed for how I'd disobeyed. God's perfect son took on all my sin and he gave us freedom. I'm safe in him. He came, he lived, he loved, he died, he rose again and he justified. Justified, I'm justified. Clever bit of words here. It's just as if I'd lived Jesus' life. Justice has been done through Jesus' death and resurrection. He died for our sin, and now we can be right with God. We can be friends with God. We can know God now and forevermore. And now when God looks at us, it's just as if we'd lived Jesus's life. We have been justified. So we've seen today that Lara and Hope have professed their faith. They've declared with their mouth. They've done that clearly today. They've declared with their mouth that they can be saved when they say that Jesus is Lord and they believe that he rose from the dead. That's on a personal level. But our passage kind of expands out. This isn't just personal. Actually, Paul says this is for anyone. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. This message is for anyone who believes in Jesus. This is a quote from the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah. And it's always been true that those that put their faith in God will not be put to shame, but will know God's saving help. That is the case right the way through the big story of the Bible. You look at Noah and Abraham. They knew God's help, as well as people from outside of the kind of Israelite faith community. Think of someone like Rahab, who was not part of that community, but called out for help and knew God's saving help. To make this crystal clear that this really is a message for all, Paul goes on and spells it out. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For those who grew up learning and knowing about faith, the Jewish community he's thinking of, they could call on Jesus personally to be saved. And for those that came from a different background, 
from a Gentile background. Maybe you're new to faith, thinking about faith for yourself. This is a message for all. This is a message for you as well, that all who call on the name of Jesus can be saved and richly blessed. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. It's great today that we had different nations represented, didn't we? Uh, Hope's got a South African background. We've got Lara from Croatia. Now, this really is a message that is for everyone the world over. To underline this, Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This message then is for each and every one of us, each and every person that we come across and haven't yet met. So you can't be right with God by following the law, by following rules. But Paul is making it clear that it's by faith that we can be saved. You don't have to be good enough. I'm certainly not. You don't have to know enough. I certainly don't. You need to trust in Jesus as Lord. Our church aim is to help people to commit to and become more like Jesus. And helping people commit to Jesus, to personally putting their trust in him, is of utmost importance to us. Anyone can have a saving faith in Jesus, one that means that we can be right with God, one that means that we can be saved. I wonder if you have received this message for yourself. I wonder if you could say for yourself that you believe that Jesus really rose from the dead and that you want to say that he is Lord. Many of this room have. It's great to have guests and those with us that are thinking about faith. Let me encourage you to think about this for yourself as we begin to think about the mission that we're called to be part of, essential to what it means to be church. This is something that's for you, for anyone, for everyone. And I urge you, if you haven't already responded to this amazing good news, to consider doing so, to call on the name of Jesus. You too can be saved. We'd love to chat to you more about that if you'd like some help in doing that. That's the first thing. As we think about mission, there is a message that is for all. The second thing is that we, the church, are the messengers. When Jesus was on earth, he gathered a small group of followers that then swelled to hundreds and then thousands and then shrunk again as people learned at the cost of what it meant to follow him. And when he neared his arrest and trial and crucifixion, there were only a handful of friends and his mum who were still with him. After he rose from the dead and appeared to over 500 people across 40 days, he made it clear that his followers, now once again believing, were to be his messengers, his witnesses, both where they were, further afield, and actually right across the world as well. And in our passage today, Paul is expressing the need for all those he was writing to to play their part in God's mission as messengers. Verse 14 and 15 says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There is good news to share, but we need someone to share it. And the someones need to be sent. There's four questions here that Paul has that are kind of all making the same point. I want you to picture this for a minute. Uh, on Wednesday, here, I have organized a fabulous feast. 
Uh, there's going to be a hog roast. There's going to be some vegetarian options. We're going to cater for those that are dairy-free and the vegans as well. There's going to be all sorts of trimmings. We've got some amazing puddings, some trifles, some cheesecakes, some chocolate logs, and ice cream. And this invitation, this event, is going to be uh, for you. It's going to be for anyone. It's going to be for everyone. But how can you know about it? How will you enjoy it if you don't know about it? How could you know about it unless I send someone else to tell you? How will anyone even go and tell others unless I send them? And so here's the point that Paul is making. Just as Jesus called the first believers to be his witnesses and good news sharers, so again, Paul is sending the believers to share this good news. Before anyone turns up on Wednesday, that was just an illustration. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> this church exists because in the 1950s, a small group of people got together, felt called by God to start a Christian community here. And the commitment of that group of people that many of us are now part of was to find different ways of being a witness to the local people here, to be a messenger of this good news here. We've heard some stories today of how others have come to hear and know that good news and experience that good news in loving Christian community as well and respond. They've been helped by this church as we've sought to continue to be on a mission together. And we're all called to join in that message, in that message and that mission. It's essential to what it means to be church, to be part of this mission. Now, uh, over the years, this church has tried all sorts of different ways to try and share the message in a helpful way, in a way that people will want to hear. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul also talks about all sorts of different things that he tried. He says that to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself was not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I've become all things to all people so that all possible means I might save some. Being part of God's mission is essential to who we are and what we do. And like Paul, uh, we want to try all sorts of things so that in all sorts of different ways, we can help share the message that we've come to receive personally, that we believe is for anyone and for everyone. And this affects all sorts of things that we do as a church together. We seek to share this message uh, through knitting and bike riding, golfing, well-being cafes, sports events, walking and talking, and visiting local care homes through our alternative gatherings. We're trying to welcome people really well here and use accessible language and make our services engaging and understandable to all, including those that are new to thinking about the Christian faith. We're trying to find ways of connecting and sharing the gospel right across the ages and stages of life, from toddler groups and youth and children groups, also to things that are more aimed at adults and serving the elderly as well. Animals and fun days and costumes and film nights and special life events have all been opportunities to share this wonderful message. 
that's some of the things that we've done in recent years. Who knows what other ways in the future that we will find collectively to try and be messengers of the gospel. That's some of the things that we've done together. But the early church, a lot of what they did was actually when they were scattered. And uh, you could say our reach is way bigger as we are scattered and are God's people where we find ourselves through the week. Over Christmas, we estimate that over 800 people came to one of our services here. That's because as a church, we're on a mission and collectively we have a big reach. Think of our workplaces and places of leisure, family environments, our friends and neighbours, what we often call our front lines. We are the messengers that are part of God's mission. And most of that mission doesn't actually happen in this building. It happens where we find ourselves throughout the week. We are called, like those Paul was writing to, to be the messengers. Beyond our own context, there's some of us here that will be feel called to go to other places to be messengers of the gospel. It was great to hear from Yako and family last week uh, who are part of our wider church but spend most of their time in northern Australia seeking to reach unreached people groups there. Some of us might feel a stirring that we will be sent somewhere else to be messengers of the gospel. Maybe to connect with people groups that we don't currently know but in our own place in our own city and where we live. But for many of us, we're called to be messengers exactly where God has placed us, the place we spend a lot of our time anyway. Uh, Ellen mentioned the newcomers welcome. Uh, in a couple of months, in March, we've got another joining in course to help people to understand more about how they can join in and belong and grow and be part of this church. And one of the things we talk about is what it means to be a Baptist church and uh, we talk about our Baptist declaration of principle, three things that are important to what it means to be a Baptist. And one of them is this, that it is the duty of every disciple to bear, bear personal witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to take part in the evangelization of the world. I'd love to add to that, it's not just a duty, but a joy and a privilege to pass on what we've come to know and receive of God's goodness and saving help in our own lives. Maybe you need a fresh impotence to feel sent, to be called a messenger again. That's part of what it means to be church, that we are called to be messengers of the good news of the gospel. And the final thing that I want to mention is that there is one mission, but many methods. And I hope this last point is really liberating for us. God's made us all uniquely, and we all have a different role to play. As the early church was growing after Jesus had gone back to heaven and many new believers were getting baptized, there were lots of practical ways that God's people were serving those in need and sharing the love of God with people. Let me read a bit from Acts 6. Uh, in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. 
this proposal pleased the whole group. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So there were some with a special role at this time for prayer and for sharing God's word and others with a particular practical responsibility for caring for those in need who had been neglected. Now all this was and is mission. On this occasion, it was seven leaders from the disgruntled group who were chosen to help share food with those in need. This was all part of God's mission, practically showing God's love and care towards the poor. So we come back to where we started. Mission does have sharing the gospel with words at its heart, but it also includes all sorts of practical outworkings of what it looks like to show God's love and care for everyone. And so as we look around our church family, we all have different ways that we can be part of God's mission. We come together to seek to be part of God's mission in collectively serving those that come to visit us, going to those that don't yet know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And we're scattered and we all can work to the different gifts and strengths that God has given us as we seek to show love and care and generosity. This does affect some of the things that we do together. Uh, We are a CAP centre seeking to help people practically with some of their financial needs and point people towards Jesus. We like to support other local initiatives that are going on in our city. Think of the Heart Project, those that serve a warm meal to those who need one each day of the week, and Food Bank. There are lots of practical things that we want to get behind as a church, and we want to support those in other parts of the world on mission as well through some of our regular organizations and people that we support and give to. So we've been thinking about mission. Mission is essential of what it means to be church. There's one mission, but many different methods, and we all have a part to play as part of God's mission team. It's going to look different for us. It's going to involve words and action. God can use the unique gifts and skills that he's given us and the unique places that we find ourselves in. Being missional is not an extra activity of what it means to be church, The church is missional, and we are the church. And so today we've thought about an essential thing of what it means to be church is to be mission. Just like it's hard, if not impossible, to survive on a beach without a fire. So a key characteristic, a key thing for us to be church and flourish as church is to be missional together. There is a message that is for all. I wonder if you responded to this message yet. Maybe it's new to you. Maybe it's hitting home again. Maybe it needs a personal response. This message is for all. We are all called to be messengers. We are all called to be 
messengers. And maybe you need that fresh impotence of knowing that you're a sent one. No one was going to come to that pretend event I've got on Wednesday if messengers aren't sent. Okay, there is another good event here on Wednesday, a walk through the Bible that Ian's leading. But maybe you need that fresh impotence. And you know, when we're sent, just like the early disciples, we're sent with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you need the liberating thought again that we don't all need to be like the people that speak from the front or offer prayer on a street corner or do things in a certain way that isn't you. There is one mission, but there are many methods. And God uses the beauty and diversity of his body, his people, to help together to be on a mission. Let me invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Let me invite you to just take a moment and think and ask the Lord, what is it that he wants to say to you? Is there something he wants you to respond to? Let's just be quiet together for a moment.